Welcome back to the Breaking Bad Insider Podcast. My name is Kelly Dixon. I'm one of the editors on the new hit show Breaking Bad on the AMC Network. And I'm here today to talk about episode number 209, which is called Four Days Out. And I'm really lucky because I have a lot of guests today. Um, of course, first person to mention is my executive producer, Vince Gilligan. Hello, how you doing? And uh, next, we're really lucky we have got the director of this episode, Michelle McLaren. Hi, nice to be here. And the writer of the episode, Sam Catlin. Hello, Kelly. And the composer of all our episodes, Dave Porter. Hey, Kelly, how are you? How's it going, guys? Good. 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 Thanks, Good. Thanks for right. showing up this morning. Yeah. It's like this is a really, really exciting episode. Um, this I think is a it's, great one. It's like the only, I, it, well, for one thing I'll mention is it's the longest episode of our season, I think, this year. You know, we cut it down to where it's on time, but it's yeah, the I mean, longest when, one. Yeah, folks who watch it tonight will know that it's the same length as all the rest of them. But yeah, as far as it was the longest one, what was it? What was it, Kelly? Because you was, cut this one. Yeah, I, I believe my editor's cut was 18 minutes too long. Wow. That's like a show and a half. That's crazy. That's awesome. What whose fault what, is that? Yeah, whose fault is that? It's, well, I can, I can, uh, I can let you know my fault. That it's it's got to be my fault. No. We had so much, so many pages and such a wonderful script. We shot everything, and oh, we had so lots of choices in the editing room. the writer. But you were, uh, Michelle, you were just, as I remember, just making up scenes to shoot. <laughs> making up dialogue. And, and I, You know, I did, and that's so funny because they all ended up in the, in the episode. <laughs> Go figure. It was, uh, it's funny because, all joking aside, some scripts just, it, the weird thing is it's written in such a format as, as it's roughly a minute a page, and that's what you expect it to be. But the truth is, our scripts, we shoot for them to be like 45, 47, 48 pages long. But some of them, yours was not that long page count wise, but it's just all that stuff in the desert takes, you know, there's emotional time that it takes. I mean, and guys who are dehydrating to death are moving slower than they normally would. And all that stuff took time. Mm -hmm. But it really wasn't that long page count wise, was it? It was more than 47, but I don't think it was. Yeah, I think some scripts have been like sixty pages. It, it, it was up there page count wise, but I think you're absolutely right, Vince. That because there were some very dramatic pieces, it does take time. Yeah. The challenging thing was is that when Kelly and I put it together in its longest form, because we wanted to show you everything, it didn't feel long. No. And we looked yeah, at each other and we never, thought, never ever felt that long. And we're like, how are we going? How are we going to get? Out? The, yeah. yeah. And, and I will say, you guys did a genius job getting the time out because I didn't miss anything. And that, as a director, that's a really hard thing to say. We just cut every other frame out. <laughs> yeah. Every yeah. every every the first frame and the last frame of every cut, we just took a frame and that. that did yeah. it. No, that's not what happened. <laughs> it was um, tough because there's an awful lot of good stuff. You know, before before uh, we go on, I, I just have to mention being a big X-Files fan well I'm very very lucky because Michelle McLaren was also a producer on the X-Files and uh, so what was that like you know you, you coming on and working with Vince again fantastic um, not only was there a producer I actually got my directing break in the X-Files oh yeah I'm sorry I'm sorry and I the, didn't mention well the very first thing I ever directed was a script written by Vince Gilligan Vince Gilligan and yeah. it was a fantastic experience and so it was, I felt really lucky that uh, I got to relive that experience on his show that well, one was called that John was Doe. called John Doe John Doe I remember that one and that was John, uh, John, Robert Patrick Robert, woke up in Mexico or something, right? Didn't That's remember right. his own name, didn't know who he was, mm-hmm. didn't know how he got that there. That was awesome. Well, I was just going to say, one of the first episodes I ever produced in X-Files, you directed for your first time. That's right. That was the genie in the rug. That was called Just Sweat. And and I got to say, I love always love working with Michelle. And so, yeah, 
Yeah, when I did that first uh, episode I directed, uh, Michelle figured out a way. We needed to I'll make this short, but she figured out a way to clear out downtown Los Angeles so we could shoot this one scene where there were no humans left on Earth. She That's figured, huge. It's huge because it was the only episode ever, the only time ever the X-Files shot on a weekend because, you know, we shot five-day weeks, Monday through Friday, and we shot this on a Sunday morning at, like, just after sunrise, like six in the morning or something. Mm-hmm. Michelle... Uh, is a wonderful director and then did that episode John Doe she did a great job so I knew what a great director she was so I wanted her to work on Breaking Bad you know it was funny too um, um, because I was really excited to work with her obviously because she was from the X-Files and so I'm basically living out my X-Files fantasy on the show thanks Vince by the way you're very welcome so we should start right in on the episode since we have all of our guests here Um, we start in on uh, Walt waiting with his family at Oncology Partners yeah and Sam uh, yeah Sam uh, maybe we should talk about the I'm sorry, I don't mean to knock you off track, but it just occurs to me. Yeah, it's your show, Vince. (laughs) (laughs) It's my show, but it's Kelly's podcast. But uh, we should probably talk globally about how we thought this was going to be a cheap and easy episode. Oh yeah, you know, um, I've heard you guys, I've heard you guys mention bottle episode. I I've heard that mentioned, you know, during my career several times, but I've never really totally understood what that actually means. Can you guys? explain what that is yeah sam you want to explain a bottle episode yeah a pure bottle episode i believe is supposed to take place on a single set ideally and the idea basically is to save money yeah and so i think we were at the point in the season where it's like we don't have any money so let's do something that's a bottle episode and so we came up with this great idea about having them kind of stranded in the winnebago somewhere and i don't think i don't think it was too expensive, but I don't think it was any less expensive than uh, no, any of no, the others. No, actually, it was our most expensive episode since the pilot. Seriously? That's what I was told. <laughs> Is it really? No, wow. I find that really hard to believe. Really? Yeah. How long wow. could that happen? I, I don't know. You know, well, that, just, uh, you know, uh, Murphy's Law or I don't know, whatever. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, and, it, and I, when I say that, I don't mean it got expensive because things went wrong or went afoul. It, they, they were expensive from the get-go. I, I was saying, yeah, it's a bottle show. Sam, write a bottle show where it's them in the RV out in the desert. What could be easier? We'll rent and, out the airport. Yeah, well, the airport The airport was one of the... The, 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 airport. Air, the airport was very challenging. We were working in an airport that was open. Traditionally, a bottle episode is a very contained episode with very few cast and should be... You should be able to shoot it faster and cheaper than any other episode. But this episode, what Vince was saying is that we went to the airport. We were out in the desert. We had physical challenges both exterior and interior of the Winnebago. So we weren't on stage inside. We were out in, yeah. in the actual desert. So it was it, the opposite. It turned out to be the opposite of a bottle episode. <laughs> it just it shows what I know. But I think the biggest single expense was just... Just lugging everybody out into the desert. All you know, the, how far? Be, yeah, how far be, was it? We far it wasn't really that far, but we, we went that far out. I mean, the great thing about shooting in Albuquerque is that, and where the studio is, is you have the best backlight I've ever seen. It's desert all the way around, and because it was a bottle show, we wanted to shoot as close to the studio as possible because that's cheaper for hours and transferring the crew around. So we were what 10, 10 minutes from the studio. But just logistically, you have all this equipment and all these people out in a sandy desert along dirt roads. All day long. All day long. It's it's a logistical challenge. But it's stunningly beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's incredible. Absolutely. You know, let me uh, let me interrupt you just one second about um, uh, about shooting this because um, I don't know if people know this. Uh, I know I don't think we've talked about in any of our podcasts yet that the RV that we have is a real working RV. And but yep. we also have an RV set. 
Yes, yes. And that's why I thought, again, I'm not the world's greatest natural producer here. So I, I admit that here freely. I, I Come we on. have a, we have I think you are. I, <laughs> You're my hero. Boss. I have other <laughs> I have other skills which involve uh I'm a world class uh, lasso artist. And uh I uh, do bird calls and uh no, I don't know about any of that stuff. No, uh, we have an RV set and it's indoors on our sound stage and I thought we'd just need a few establishing shots of outdoors and then we could shoot most of it indoors. It's but like, see, but see, that was stupid because it's like all over that. I know. Well, see, and, and and certainly Michelle can speak to this. That was stupid because our RV set is about the size of the room we're sitting in now, which is to say tiny, and it's a big it's a big damn deal for a big crew of twenty or thirty people to be shooting in a tiny enclosed space and moving that big camera around but and don't moving they, the lights the around. The walls and, come out though, don't they? You know, that's a Some big deal. Them. Yeah, and that's tell, talk about that because that's a big deal in itself. What you have to do is because the the RV only certain walls fly or only pieces of walls fly. Yeah, so tell them what fly means. Fly means is is you, you can remove one of the walls. And the reason fly is an expression we use is quite often it's cabled to the ceiling and so the wall actually flies up in the air most of the time we just pull it off and put it to the side but it's built so that the the walls come apart this particular set uh was built for your pilot i believe yeah yeah. and um the back wall flies any piece of wall flies so when we decided that we're going to be shooting a huge amount of this episode in the rv we had to make more of it fly which is probably some more of your costs too, because uh, yeah. it need, yeah. more pieces need to be co- to come now, apart. Which which yeah. is the back wall according to you? The back, uh, the rear bumper end. Oh, yeah, okay. Bumper end. Okay. So what happens is because only pieces come apart, you have to structure your shooting according to day night and the order of your shots according to what wall pieces come out. So you're not constantly putting wall pieces back and right. forth, and you're not relighting for day night. So it becomes a very logistical challenge and we did a a fair amount of block shooting which is you'll shoot pieces of scenes out of order so we knew that we were going to be looking down the rv uh, towards the front and we were lit for day if there was other things that we could shoot we would sometimes do that you you try for the actor's sake to not do that but sometimes you have to In, in other words like for instance on day one when they first arrive and you've got a shot in a scene where you're looking forward you have them talking about funyuns or whatever Mm -hmm. And then you maybe put them in a different wardrobe or whatever and have them on day three saying, boy, I'm so thirsty, you know, whatever. Well, I'll tell you what, what kind of, and and you've actually brought up a point which will make it clear. In that particular scene you're talking about, Jesse's in the front seat. They've just arrived in the desert. He's checking his phone, and and Walt's looking at the Funyuns bag. You can see desert out the window. So we shot that out in the desert. That was shot in the real RV. That was shot in the real RV out in the desert. And if you notice in that scene, Jesse closes the curtains. That's because when Walt exits frame, we now shoot the rest of the scene on the stage. So on that particular day... On a different day. On a different day. On that particular day that we shot that piece out in the desert, we shot a few pieces like that so that we could tie in and sell the fact that we actually are in the desert. Damn. Well, and this is... Now I'm even more impressed than I was before. Holy cow. It's a logistical nightmare. And and you know what? This is a good time to talk about what the AD does. And we should mention Polly. You came in on time, amazing. That is... Wow. I'm just... I'm in awe. Did this whole show in eight days, which is amazing. With all the little pieces that are involved. Yeah. Polly, our AD, the the AD is one of the AD's jobs uh, is to schedule 
Mm -hmm. the, how things are going to be shot, what's going to be shot on what day, how much you can get in a day, yada, yada, yada. And they're also sort of the, the uh, what was the old Rowdy Yates uh, in Rawhide, the old Clint Eastwood show, with the, uh, what do they call him, the top kick. But whatever, <laughs> the, the the guy in the cattle drive who was responsible for keeping everything moving. That's sort of the, the AD. Right, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And Apollo is fantastic. Not only did she do a great job of figuring out, you know, all the crazy logistics in this, but we had to shoot a certain amount of incontinuity because we were outside in the desert and we had sunrise, sunset, and as the day progressed, the light was changing. And obviously Michael Slovis helped a lot here, but we we had to schedule it and shoot time-wise according to the light. And we have the scene where the sun is setting, and it timed out perfectly thanks to, to Polly. Um, however, we were starting to lose our sunset, and Michael Slovis pulled out his sunset filters, and he stretched a desert sunset, which usually lasts for about 15 minutes, to probably about 45 minutes. It was, it was, was unbelievably yeah, impressive. Yeah, because once that sun starts yeah. to go down, it goes down quick. Yeah, really it, it just quick. It drops, and it was, I mean, he was a genius, but Polly really did a fantastic Wonderful job. Wonderful job. Now, whose idea was it with the shot of the two guys peeing? That was mine. Okay, that was a great, that was a great I, shot. When I was reading this script, I thought, wow, it would be so funny if the sun was rising and the guys are taking a pee because they've been working all night. And I said to Paul, you know, I want to get the shot. So Paulie put it in the board, but it wasn't scripted. And uh, the producers, understandably, said, look, we don't have time to to shoot this because uh, it's not even in the script it's not in the script yeah. so you know take it off the board but Polly and I both agree and this is another reason why Polly's a great AD because she's she cares about the creative as much as she does about getting everything shot on time we agreed that we were going to try and get this shot. So the um, first morning out in the desert, as the sun was rising, this beautiful sun sunrise, Michael Slovis grabbed the camera, set it up. Polly arranged to have the actors there on the set already ready before the sun had even rose. Sneaky. And I looked at them and I said, okay, you guys run out there and pretend you're taking a pee. And they looked at me and went, okay. And this is what's great about, of course, Brian and yeah. Aaron, too, yeah. is they'll just go with the flow. And so they ran out there, <laughs> yeah. we got the shot, and they ran back and forth, and we did it a few times. And I thought, I don't want to look over at the producers because they, you know, they said we couldn't do this. But, you know, it didn't hurt our day at no, all, yeah, and we yeah. got this fantastic it's, shot. It's a fantastic shot, yeah. fantastic. It's also, yeah, as you just said, uh, a big piece of that puzzle is uh, your actors have to be gung-ho and enthusiastic. Mm -hmm. You can imagine other TV shows where, where you run over and say, guys, run out there and take a pee. And the actor, the lead actor, looks up from his Blackberry and says, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's not on a schedule. I have prepared for that scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm busy buying a Ferrari. <laughs> Shut up. Exactly. Hey, Dave, let me ask you, um, you know, because this episode was so um, primarily in the episode, just the two actors are two actors, and it really is a show mostly about them and their journey. Uh, what was, like, the difference in, you know, composing for this episode that, you know, might have been different in the other episodes? Uh, I think certainly uh, the setting played a huge role in how the score came out for this particular episode. And I think uh, my task, I mean, it's certainly the, the actors themselves did a tremendous job of making their own very personal and, and microcosm connection and I think one of the things I wanted to accomplish, particularly in this episode, was to establish some of the scope of the enormity of the desert and the huge size and scope of, of not only where they were, but, but what they were embarking on. Obviously taking their meth-cooking production to a whole new step and a whole new level. And also potentially fighting against Walt running out of time. So it had a lot to do with both scope of size in terms of geography, um, but also time and the passing of time 
length of time that they were out there, which of course was much longer than they expected, but also um, how little time they may have. That's interesting. How do you time? Is is that a, like a? I'm just guessing. Is it like a tempo thing? Is that a? That, how do you how do you evoke that? It is. Um, there are a, a number of ways you can do it, but in this particular episode, we did things at a very slow pace, mm-hmm. um, and and it helped that we had all these amazing establishing shots and and montages of of gorgeous scenery, both close ups and and huge distance shots that conveyed that passing of time. Uh, and then uh, the music was just there to help uh, cement that. Some great cues in this one. We should talk about Dave because we got him. We're lucky. Yeah, super, was... super Dave, I call him. Uh, I yeah. call him DP. DP? <laughs> Dave. Although I'm not a DP. <laughs> I don't know why. And in fact, well, I'm enjoying, enjoying this tremendously because as the composer, I'm solely locked in the world. I, I have the benefit of working on every episode, but I, I'm solely locked in the world of post. So I'm never around for any of the. You know, I found out something. The glamour. Yeah, well. Glamour. I I found out something a couple of weeks ago. I was talking to to DP uh, at uh, at one of the mixes, and um, I found out that, and I was actually pretty shocked to hear that, Dave, you don't read the scripts. It's true. And you don't watch the episode until we actually send it to you. Uh, So we send you the cut of the show. It's still a little rough. Mm-hmm. But it, and it, so it isn't locked yet. But we send you the show, and that's the first time that you actually watch the show. It is, yeah. And uh, I'm probably the only one around. And this is in all deference to the tremendous writing. It's not that I'm uh, not interested in reading the scripts, but I actually do it on purpose because um, for me, actually different from Thomas, our music supervisor, who has to read the scripts ahead because there's certain um, musical instances and and source music situations that we have to know about well in advance for example the narco caritas track uh, a and few also episodes the, back the and, meth montage and, in this one. and and the montage stuff that we use source music for obviously so um, we have to get clearance we have to get clearance to and, and in this and, and for a montage kelly needs something to cut to right mm-hmm. so this the music actually uh is the bed from which you work mm-hmm. presumably to we make this montage in this case we had it on set oh we you did oh. to we, shoot with the music playing which, cool. that which was really unusual well. oh, too cool. that, yeah. that we actually had that music because most of the time on every montage that I've ever worked on or seen worked on I don't think I've ever seen it where you have the music for a montage the the, the music that's going to stay with it the whole time mm-hmm. uh, before you start cutting you hmm. start cutting to something else and then other music gets chosen mm-hmm. or several pieces of music get chosen and you start you know maybe recutting and stuff like that um, I think the pilot music actually changed three or four times before we actually locked it. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, the, po- the the montage for the pilot. We should mention this, that if any of the source music or the pop music that's in the show, it's all listed on the AMC website under the music tab. But, you know, Dave, I just want to mention, you know, you have been with us since the pilot. Yes. Um, I and remember... How do we, uh, Thomas introduced uh, yeah, you, you to us, isn't that right? Because you guys go way back. Uh, yeah, actually, I, I have a long relationship with both Thomas Golubich, our music supervisor, and Tom Volano, our music editor, um, who were both on the show. Job. Yeah, Tom, who, sorry I didn't mention Tom Volano, our music editor. Who uh, uh, were both on the pilot, actually, before I was. I heard about it through both of them, and definitely my uh, curiosity was piqued. And uh, <laughs> when I snuck a look at it, I knew it was something that I definitely wanted to I'm, pursue working on. So. If I'm not uh, mistaken, I think we were really looking for some score for the opening sequence, the driving sequence, and Thomas just kind of brought some of your music in. And I don't know if he brought some of Dave's. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave. I, mm. We knew we had a real good super music supervisor, but we, we all knew we needed a, a composer. And as wonderful as it is to have someone like 
Thomas G., you're missing a whole uh, dimension to your show if you don't have music composed specifically for your show. And so I think, did you write a little something just to give us a taste of what... Uh... Yeah, I did. It was very tough to tempt um, a show, and particularly as dynamic a show as, as this one in the pilot. Talk, talk about what temp means. And temp music is uh, when you're trying to put music into a show, but obviously the pilots don't have composers at all. But the problem is if you're trying to establish... Um, a sound that is specific or unique to a certain show. It's very hard to pick and choose existing pieces of music from other projects and throw them in there and have it feel cohesive. That is true. So, you know, I, I contributed a few things early on to the pilot, a few things that I wrote from scratch and a few things that I had, and uh, it uh, worked out for me. Did a wonderful job. Obviously, it, it goes without saying because he's still here and, and doing, continuing <laughs> to do great work for us. And but it's, to, tough, it's tough to but, score our show. It's, it's really tough to score our show, I think. Some shows will let you go outside. You can get movie scores and do it to that. A lot of pilots will get big movie scores and they will put it in. But our show... Which I find distracting as hell because I, I can say, wait a minute, that came from Batman or that came from <laughs> you know, Forrest Gump or whatever. You know, but that is kind of the way that I've always seen it work. We should talk about how this show compares to other shows in the lack of music, mm-hmm. in a sense. I mean, on the, on the X-Files... Uh, Michelle and I, you know, on the X-Files, working on that show, that, that, we had a wonderful composer, Mark Snow, very talented guy and a wonderful human being. And that show, and most TV shows, not just that one, are kind of very often wall-to-wall music. In a 45-minute show, you might have 30 minutes of music. I actually think that this is, for me, this is the most unconventional show I've had the privilege of working on that, and I mean that as a huge compliment. (laughs) 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 We try to be, actually. We try to be. No, but it's it's true, and and, and what Dave was saying is it is so rich in every other area that you only need the music when it is there specifically to enhance what you're shooting. If I can jump back to something you said before, Dave, I've never worked with a composer who hasn't read the script and I find that incredibly exciting because it, what you were saying was exactly what we were trying to do and it made me think of the first day that Sam and I went out into the desert and Sam said to me Michelle I, I really can we shoot with a fisheye lens or something I want it to feel like this goes on forever that it is so wide and it's so vast mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, and these guys are stuck out here and they're lost in time and and to hear you say almost that same thing that it mm-hmm. transpired all the way through is yeah i think really interesting. those two things are actually linked in a way I, I sort of look at them as part of the my creative process i like to composing the music is basically the last thing that happens thousands and thousands of creative decisions have already been made by the time i get involved in a particular episode so i want to see a show almost done and have the reaction when i watch it and the surprise and all those things that an audience has when they watch it for the first time because it helps me think about um, what I would like to do to either heighten a particular moment or leave a moment alone, which we certainly do a lot in this show. Um, and, And that speaks also to not having temp music in the cuts Temp music to me, just my own soapbox here, it, it, it seems like a bad television tradition and it seems like a bad movie tradition to a lesser extent. Especially in TV, if you're putting in temp music just to please a bunch of executives, and thank goodness, by the way, AMC and Sony executives uh, don't don't need or require temp music. Here, but yeah, here, here. But it's uh, it it's just just a bad idea all around. First of all, you want the footage to work on its own 
the music always is going to deepen uh, the, the episode and enrich it and make it more powerful or more emotional or more moving or more whatever. Music can do so many of these things, but the footage should work on its own without any music on some level mm-hmm. so that then you add the music and it's even better. You know, but the vanilla ice cream should taste pretty good on its own, and then you put the hot fudge sauce on it, you know, make it even better. You know what I'm saying? But but this idea that you got to have temp music just to keep things interesting, it's just a lot of BS. You're, you're selling them a bill of goods in a sense. You, you can't even know that the thing is working on its own without the temp music if you're listening to it with this bombastic, you know, temp score going. So, anyway, I'm glad we don't have to do that. Hey, also, me, it's a big damn waste of time, too. It takes hours to put yeah, it. Yeah, it does. It sometimes, how long it, does it take? Hours, Well, right? it depends on the show. I mean, you know, once you're finished with your cut, it takes about a day. Hey, uh, back to... Uh, oh, before hey. you uh, launch onto something else, uh, speaking of the music, I actually have to run. Because, unlike these folks who are done... For the most part, with season two and sitting around enjoying podcasts, I'm still working. Yeah, what? Which and one I, are you working on now? I uh, don't make us feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, have. Let's see. I'm recording stuff today for two, two twelve and two thirteen. Two twelve and two thirteen today. Right, Thanks man. for coming, Dave. Good seeing you. Hey, uh, Sam, talk about the, uh, in a sense, what this episode is an homage to. Yeah, can you also tell me? Like, Famous what, movie. Is there is there a, a significance to the title Four Days Out? Oh, that's a good one, just, too. That's it? a good question. Okay. Well, Four Days Out kind of touches on what we were talking about before, which is originally this was supposed to be a bottle episode, which means the idea was hopefully it was going to be all on our set, which would have meant eight days in, which is kind of production talk for well it would have never been all on the set but i think you're right it does refer we to, thought it was going to be maybe two days out in the desert two days out on location something like that but then yeah i mean we're here's the thing this is takes a little bit of explaining but yeah we have a pattern budget on our tv show every every show does we have a pattern that we try more or less to to adhere to every week and our pattern is uh that we do five days on our sound stages out of an eight-day shoot, and we do three days out. However, on Breaking Bad, we usually it's just the opposite. It's five days out and three days in on the sound stage. So this was like a little inside joke. You know, we're going to try to do one that's four days out and four days in, or something <laughs> like that. I, I, but it worked I, out too because we did we did shoot four days on the set, four days not on the set, mm-hmm. out on location. Yeah. But yeah. also the span of the episode is. They are out in the desert for four days. Yeah, so it's a little, there's a, an obvious meaning to it, as just Sam just said, four days out in the desert. But there's a little inside joke there, too, for us, for our own amusement. So yeah. what's the movie this is based on? Kind, kind of, sort of, if you squint. It's a movie I hadn't seen before until you were talking about it in the writer's room, which is called Flight of the Phoenix, uh, starring Jimmy Stewart, Hardy Krueger, um, uh, uh, George Richard, Kennedy. George Kennedy. Is Richard Attenborough in it? Is yeah, Richard yeah. Attenborough. Yeah. Great movie. Oh, Ernest Borgnine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Playing kind of a simpleton. <laughs> <laughs> is that where the stuff comes from when Jesse's like, we could take stuff off the RV and make like a dune buggy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, because tell them what the gist of the movie is. Uh, it's the, For those who don't know, plenty of you do. I'm these sure. guys are flying over the Sahara Desert. And there's a plane crash. I can't remember why. Sandstorm. There's a sandstorm. And then they're, they're basically stranded on the wreckage of this plane. And this, the character played by Hardy Krueger comes up with this idea of turning 
the remnants of the airplane into a different kind of airplane. Taking what a four engine big cargo plane and turn it into a one engine plane where they that'll just by the skin of their teeth get them out of there because they're like a hundred miles from nowhere and they're all going to die. Right. They're all going to dehydrate to death. They don't right. have any, they don't have enough water. When you guys wrote this, um, did you did you guys talk to Brian and, and Aaron about the fact that they were going to be you know stuck in the RV met, together? I've never actually met Brian. <laughs> I, I, he's uh, not a pleasant he's man. He's not a pleasant man. <laughs> <laughs> Just That's between us. <laughs> yeah, don't tell anybody. <laughs> uh, uh, I can't remember if we told Brian about this one, Brian and Aaron about this one or not, did we? I'll tell you this much. Aaron experimented with not drinking for, I don't know how, I la- how long it lasted, maybe a couple of hours. but uh, <laughs> yeah, Alcohol or water? Drink, yeah, right. <laughs> not drinking Mai Tais or <laughs> Did he really? It was just wine and beer. I tell Poor you, man. I tell you, the put worst... himself through hell. Oh God, the worst. <laughs> He's man, one of those method like... actors. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I tell you, the worst headache I ever had in my life was I got food poisoning and I was like puking all night. I'm like, oh God, oh, that was miserable. I want to die. Thank God that's over. But what I wasn't thinking of, I let myself get dehydrated because of all the uh, your fluid loss there with the vomiting and. Then it got bad, because I was I had a headache so bad I was literally like bawling. I was like, "Kill me now, <laughs> kill me!" You know, I was, I was like ten minutes away from having uh, my girlfriend take me to the emergency room. That's how bad my head. Hurt. I mean, it was not funny. It was like, it is funny now, I guess. But it was, man. You know what? That is like. So Aaron like just stopped drinking water. And he did. I don't know how long he he went for, but he's a trooper. Man. He, he yeah. I mean, he was drinking water during the shoot, but I think he was trying to get a sense of it leading up to it. Hey, you know, unfortunately, um, we don't have uh, those guys here. Um, but, Michelle, you were out there. And, Vince, you you may know the answer to this, too. That RV, I mean, you know, <laughs> what's it like to drive that thing? <laughs> no, I, have to, I hate to say I've never actually driven it. But that is... Uh, Lucky you. No, this hey. is a very good question because I, can, I, I, I feel comfortable in speaking on behalf of Aaron Paul on this. Okay. Aaron hates driving the RV because it is incredibly unbalanced. And we had a very funny incident where we were shooting at the airport, and then we had to move from the airport back to the studio, which is 10, 10 15-minute drive. And I said, well, you know what, you guys? Let's put a camera in the back of the RV, and we'll film the guys. That's a great sequence. This is that sequence? That's part of the sequence when they leave the airport. From the airport back to the studio. But what happened was is... Um, Aaron missed the turn and he was forced to go on the freeway and so now he has to go at a certain speed on the freeway yeah. and he's going really fast like and he can't control the RV are and I'm in the, the engine and, and these guys are trying to act and I'm in the back going okay slow down a little Aaron slow down it's okay just I'm slow down a little with a rope you know <laughs> you know flying around the back and then he had to, to take the uh, the exit and uh, he had to go you know turn down this this narrow exit and around this sharp corner and poor Aaron we got back to the uh, studio and he was just sweating he was going I don't ever want to do that again but that's all in the in the episode and right? Brian is, yeah. great, is driving with him in, in that right and and these guys and I'm and I'm directing them as they're driving we're, we're shooting MOS like with, without asleep, sound like and I go okay uh, now talk to each other now look out the window and the two of them with what they were really saying was oh my god I'm going to kill you oh <laughs> <laughs> hey talk about how that's done was that a, was that a motion picture camera was that Time lapse? Were they shooting only a couple frames a second? There's a combination between the time lapse photography and the actual 35 mil film. 
Is the time lapse photography done with a with a still camera? It's done with a still camera. Yeah, I love it. You know, stuff. Vince, I, since we're talking about this RV, um, you got to tell a little bit about how we got that RV. I mean, that RV is from the it's it's the same RV in the pilot. You got to tell us the story about the, obtaining that RV, oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, wrecking yeah. that RV, and repairing that RV. Well, it's and, quite a. I mean, it's a. I have very fond feelings toward that RV. I think the the Bounder Company built it. We always call it a Winnebago, just like you always call a, a, a disposable Kleenex. tissue a Kleenex. But it's it's not built by Winnebago. I think it's built by Bounder, and it's a 1983 model, I believe. And I wanted something originally for the pilot a little more unique looking and a little older. But the trouble is. Anytime you're making a movie, or especially a TV show, you got to get multiples. you got to get at least two of everything in case one of them breaks down on you. So I think at one point we had two of these, and this was an easier model to find multiples of. But our particular RV was uh, owned by a very lovely uh, older couple, a man, and a, a man and his wife, who had driven all over the United States in that particular RV. I can't remember their names, but they were Albuquerque locals. And uh, our our uh, production designer Rob Wilson King and his crew went and you know found them, met them. I, was some, I don't know who found them, but he goes over and talks to them and says, "Oh, can we look around your RV?" And they're, like, "Oh yes." And they're so very proud of it because it's they kept it in pristine shape. It was beautiful, <laughs> and they're very proud of the uh, you know she had cut out very nicely cut out uh, you know uh, uh, what do you call it? Your mom used to do cut out the little contact paper you'd put in the oh, shelving yeah, yeah. The shelving you know paper. and the shelving paper Inside was just so and, the, and everything was just so and it was beautiful and it was clean and it was they were very proud of it and it meant a lot to them and they'd driven tens of thousands of miles all over the continental <laughs> united states and probably up into alaska and wherever the hell and uh, we we're like you know uh, we're, we're just getting a little older we, we have to sell it and we're like okay well you know it's great <laughs> you know the price is right and we buy it, we turn it into a freaking meth lab. And, and these, these, I hope these people don't know, honestly. I hope they don't know. Or, or, or if they're or getting if they a big know, kick out of it. Uh, you know, I hope they're happy. If they do know. But, I mean, if, if it would bother them. I mean, I'm laughing about it, but the truth is I, I know how that feels. You have something that, you know, your, 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 your family car, if you have it long enough or, or whatever, almost becomes a part of the family. And you, hopefully, though, if they find out about, if they know about our show and what we how their their bounder lives on in uh television infamy hopefully they're okay with it but in the pilot vince you guys actually did crash the thing you took it down that you crashed it yeah yeah we crashed one of them yeah the one we crashed got pretty messed up oh so that's not the same rv now we had two i can't remember where the other one came from one of them what they wound up cutting up with a sawzall and it, it was really sad looking it was and they used it for parts and they used it for some of the interior oh, okay. parts of the uh the the other thing we should say is the uh, the interior set of the RV is substantially bigger. It is. Yeah. I I can barely I guess I can stand up in the real one with just a little bit of clearance over my head in the set. I have to reach up reach my arm up. The ceiling's probably seven and a half feet in the uh, set, and it's wider and it's longer. Mm-hmm. It's bigger in every dimension. But that's sort of again sort of the magic of uh, TV that you don't unless you're looking really closely you don't notice that kind of mismatch. Um, one thing before we wrap this up that I'm curious about we talked a little bit at the beginning about how long this show was originally. You know all of our shows end up you know a little bit long usually the average is about six minutes and usually it's not that difficult to find places to lift uh, out of your show to get it on time but this one. 
because every single scene was dependent on the scene before, there wasn't like scenes that we could just lift in this episode. We definitely had to be, you know, incredibly meticulous because we needed all these plot points. This one was a tough one. So um, when you guys were writing, or Sam, when you were writing this, you know, what was that like? Because you had to basically get them out there, get them to cook the meth, get, you know, all these things had to build on each other. And then get them home. I think the thing that we struggled with in the writer's room, or at least in my recollection, was really giving a sense of peril to them that was their own creation. That they weren't... And I think that's a lot of why maybe the episode, the first cuts came in so long, is that we really did have to establish the isolation and that by the time they got desperate enough, that they couldn't just walk out of here yeah. and survive. It's funny. It's an interesting mix, and Sam wrote a great script here because it's a tough mix. When you think about it, you want the episode to be funny in the early going, and it is funny. It's hilariously funny for me anyway. I'm really laughing all the way through it up until a certain point, and then it gets really serious. And it's like, if it's too serious all the way through, it's not going to be funny. And if it's too funny, therefore sort of lighthearted, it's, you're not really going to believe they're going to die out there. So my hat's off to Sam, who wrote it, and to Michelle, who directed the hell out of it, and, uh, and, and certainly Brian and Aaron. Man, they are so good together. It's just, they are gold. We, they, they are unbelievably talented, and yeah. they are so... Uh, they're so compatible, and they, they're so good. I mean, they just they're play so, off each other brilliantly. They, they have great chemistry. Mm-hmm. They're like the odd couple for the 21st century. But i got to talk about my favorite line. There's all these great lines in this episode. The one that always makes me laugh is Sam wrote, because it's just so dopey, is like when he sucks up the gasoline, and and, and he's coughing and choking and spitting, and, and Jesse's like, How's it, what does it taste like? <laughs> Bad, huh? <laughs> so, I think but, Aaron ad- ad-libs one more. Like, like yeah, he really gotta, does gotta, want an answer. Like, is it bad? <laughs> is it bad? But, but my yeah. favorite line, i got to say, my favorite. Yeah, I, lo- talk about I love that. all those great lines, but yeah. the scripted lines. But my favorite line was unscripted in this episode. Talk about this line. Uh, talk about how you guys kind of kind of sort of sneaked it in okay um it was it's the scene where um jesse and and, and walter and the winnebago they, they think they're gonna die and uh jesse freaks out and says look you're a scientist you got to make something and he lists off all these things he can he can make he can he can make a doom buggy a robot a, a battery flare. a flare yeah. and he sparks walt into thinking oh my gosh yes i can make a battery and he gets up and he gets excited and tells jesse to start collecting the coins and everything and uh, he tells him to go get the brake pads. And Jesse turns to him and says, what, what, what are you going to make? And, and Walt says, uh, you said it yourself. And I think it was scripted where Jesse goes, what? And Walt says, a battery. So we shot the scene. And uh, it was the end of the day. And I said, cut, check the gate. We're about to all go home. And the camera guy said, wait, 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 wait. we got to go again. we got to go again. And I said, why? What's up? And they said, just watch. And Aaron said, you know what, you guys? I've got a really funny thing. When I say, well, what are you going to make? And Walt says, you said it yourself. He goes, I want to go again, and I'm going to say, a robot? <laughs> and they didn't tell me what they were going to do. They just said to me, they winked at me, and they said, Michelle, watch. We're going to go again. And I said, okay. So we went. Uh-huh. And he said this, and I swear it's the funniest line in the that whole episode. I, mean, I love it. I love yeah. it. I, when I saw it, too, I, <laughs> it, it it's me. funny because, you know, um, I had read the script and I didn't remember the line, but when it came in, I was like, oh, my God, this is so hilariously funny, and maybe they won't like me putting it in. I have to put this in. This is hilarious. But the funny part to me, Vince, was that when you came in for your cut, I thought you just knew that they had shot that, and I, I thought no. you knew. No, I wasn't And around. I'm showing the cut to you, and when that came up, you almost fell off the couch. You were laughing oh, yeah. so hard. 
great. Oh, I yeah, mean, no. I you know, I, I love being on the set, but this season, I and I don't think I was on the set at all for when you guys were shooting, and I had missed that in the daily. It's so great. It's well, a great line. Yeah. It is a great line, and if I made this, it speaks to your your crew and your cast because we had wrapped we were yeah. ready to go home yeah. and they thought of something better Aaron thought of something better and yeah. when he told the camera guys they were like yeah we gotta shoot this yeah. and they called me back most crews and, and, and most crews I, I love them they're wonderful and hard working but this was Friday night people want to go home they're tired yeah this is a Friday night and they were like no we can make it that much better and yeah. everybody came back and I just thought wow this is an amazing show yeah. to work and, on and, and well, you God, know, God bless them because I think it's one of my favorite lines of the whole series it, it's awesome but you know Aaron gives such a great performance on that yeah. line too it is so believable the well, way he's he so says innocent it. Yeah. Well, this so is the thing this is the thing <laughs> this is why I love it so much it's not a joke he it's means genuine. it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why it's so funny. I mean, that's why Brian and Aaron are so and, – and Anna and Dean and Betsy yeah. and RJ, that they understand their characters, <laughs> and none of them would just have a funny line that was sort of chaotically – had nothing to do with the character. It was just for a laugh. I mean, that <laughs> that is funny because Jesse is – God bless him. We love him, and he is so, often that dense. You <laughs> well, know? you know, Vince, you're speaking to a very specific uh, – style of the show which is none of the lines are written for outward comedy you shoot it as a straight drama absolutely you know the comedy comes in the fact that they take this stuff seriously and that's what's so funny about it and all your actors get that and they and they play to that and that's why it's so genius and it and it and it comes across so funny that's the funny thing about funny. That's the funny thing about humor is it's just other people's, they're funniest. These guys are funniest when they are like as, as miserably unhappy as anybody could be. <laughs> well, I hate to, uh, I hate to do this, but uh, I'm going to have to wrap this up. Um, I want to thank everybody for being here. Michelle, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. It, it is an absolute treat to work on the show, and I feel very honored and privileged to have done so. She's our only director, I think. We're yeah, she's get. the only, you're the only director that we've had on our podcast. Hopefully uh, next year uh, we can get them all. A, because be we love Michelle, and she's as sweet as she can be and is a wonderfully positive, great person. And B, because uh, we had a lot of wonderful directors this season. I, I hope none of them feel short shrifted. Just so many of these folks are, are out in – uh, a couple of them on the East Coast, you know, folks are sort of scattered. Sweden, yeah, scattered, England. scattered far and wide. So we're just so glad we could get Michelle in and give us some I live perspective. 10 minutes from here, <laughs> yeah, it worked out pretty good. Can I can I say something on behalf of the directors, just very quickly, that this show is um, is such a delight to work on because you have such a distinct style, Vince, in the pilot. And uh, you have a very uh, unique and wonderful look to the show. And one of the things that I know, actually from working in the past, that you like is very wide lenses. And that's a really fun thing to shoot because your frame is so full of so much detail and you have such a great depth um, that you can tell a story in every frame. And and you don't require the same conventional coverage that um, most television shows do which is not a slight on them it's just a different choice and a different style and it uh, allows you to be really really creative and the other I've had the privilege of talking to a couple of the other directors and we all love shooting this show because we get to be incredibly creative and we, we, we get to be out there nice well thank you thank you again Michelle thank you Sam thank you Thanks, uh, thank you Vince you're very welcome and thank you, guys. Uh, we will reconvene on episode 210 which is called 210 is called uh, Over. 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 It's called Over. Uh, This episode, again, was written by Sam Catlin, directed by Michelle McLaren, and uh, next week uh, we talk about Over, which was 
written by Moira Wally Beckett and and directed by uh, Phil Abraham. Okay, you guys, let's go break bad. Peace.